Well, happy Easter. We are so glad uh, that you joined us today, either in person or online. Just really glad that you're here. We would like to encourage you to let us know that you are here by filling out that connection card attached to the bulletin that you received on the way in. And for doing that, to encourage you to do that, we are donating $1 to a new ministries for every connection card we receive today on Easter. A new ministries is a partner with Teen Mother Choices in Crown Point, which is a faith-based organization that ministers to teen mothers who choose, courageously choose to parent their child. And so you can be a part of their service to them, that ministry simply by filling out the connection card, putting it in the bucket at the, in the back of the room or dropping it up by a connection point this morning. And thank you in advance for doing that. John chapter 10 begins this way. Jesus is speaking saying, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the door. When you read the gospels, you discover that Jesus identified or described himself in many different ways, many different analogies. This is one of the most compelling. I am the door. We are familiar with doors. We know doors. You have doors on your house, doors on your car. You have front doors and back doors and basement doors and attic doors and garage doors, all kinds of doors, doors that you push and doors that you pull and you would save yourself a lot of public embarrassment if you know beforehand which it is. I was at a hotel once uh, where I thought it was a push door. I don't know about you, but many times, instead of using my hands to push the door open, I will often just kind of lean sideways and let my body weight uh, open that door. That's exactly what I did in this hotel lobby, only to discover that it was not a push door, nor was it a pull door. And I'm a real burly guy, so you can imagine this happening. But I literally, I literally pushed this sliding door off its rails as everyone in the lobby was watching. Doors can get you into trouble because, friends, doors are analogies to life. We talk about the door to your, your future, the door to your success, door to your happiness. The quality of your life is often affected by the doors you walk through and the doors you walk by. You have closed doors in your life that you could never open. You have open doors that for whatever reason you never walked through. Doors, sometimes you don't recognize them as doors or you're not ready, prepared for them. Sometimes we lack the wisdom, simply the courage to walk through those doors. Life is a series of doors. Choosing what to do with the doors in your life makes all the difference in your life. Sometimes what looks like an open door of opportunity becomes a trap door of disappointment and pain, a door that you thought would liberate you, free you, only imprisons you. That's a door, right? A prison door. I've walked through a couple of those as a visitor. Thank you very much. Uh, some of you have walked through those doors, though, as a resident. The thing is, you don't need a physical prison door to be in prison, to feel imprisoned in life. Unhealthy relationships can feel like a prison. Why do we call it financial freedom? Because, friends, debt is a prison. We have a ministry at Grace called Celebrate Recovery for those seeking freedom from the prison of their hurts, habits, and hangups. A painful memory can be a prison. Anger, depression, guilt, shame, anxiety. We often feel imprisoned by the things that we feel. Living up to someone's expectation can be a prison. Jesus says, I am the door. That means so many things to us. 
But primarily, it means I am the door to your salvation. I am the door to your life, both eternal and abundant. I am the door to your freedom. It is in Christ that we have been set free. Friends, we, we celebrate this weekend the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, it is the greatest act of liberation in the history of mankind. There is overwhelming evidence that... Jesus of Nazareth was a real person who walked this earth and he predicted his own death and resurrection. No one has been able to discredit or disprove it. And those who have tried, many of those who have tried have ended up surrendering their lives to the one who has set them free. And that's why we celebrate the risen Christ every Sunday, particularly, especially on this day that we call Easter. Because when Jesus claimed to be the son of the living God, the savior of the world, and predicted it, promised to prove it by his own death and resurrection, friends, when he pulled that off, he settled once and for all that everything that he's ever said, everything that he's ever taught, and everything that he's ever promised is undeniably true and unquestionably trustworthy. He is the door. When he says, I am the door, friends, that is a door you want to walk through. Last week, I challenged the Grace family to read Romans chapter eight every day for 21 days. We are, there are 14 days left. We, I invite you into that challenge as well to read the entire chapter of Romans eight every day for the next 14 days. It is the greatest chapter in the Bible that talks about our freedom in Christ. Friends, recognizing God as the creator of your life and then accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life is the only source of freedom you will ever experience in your life. Because Jesus died on the cross, Romans 8 tells us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And because Jesus rose from the dead, Romans 8 tells us that there is nothing that can separate us from Christ. So Romans chapter 8, you need to understand, is written for believers, those who, uh, many of you in this room, who cling to this hope of Romans 8. But I want to say uh, to the others that Romans chapter 8 is also an invitation and a promise to those willing and ready to walk through the door named Jesus. And at the end of this, this message, we'll talk about what that looks like. But we want this passage to be your passage. Verse 31 starts this way, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Friends, life is filled with problems. Earlier in this chapter, it talked about the whole creation groaning, suffering under the weight of sin, longing, hoping for redemption, eternal redemption. And so Romans 8 is not saying that you're not going to have problems, that nobody's going to be against you. I mean, do you have anybody against you? Somebody that maybe doesn't like you or doesn't accept you, approve of you? Anybody? Is that just me? I don't, you know, that, that just seems to be life, right? There are things in your life, there are people in your life that come against you. God is saying to us that these people do not have a vote in your life, that these circumstances of your life cannot control the outcome of your life because when God is for you, you cannot lose. There is nothing that can come against you. He goes on, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Think about this. If God went to such an extreme, as sending his own son to die for us on the cross, how could we ever question his intentions toward us? Why would we ever doubt that he doesn't have our best interest in mind? Regardless of the circumstances of our life, how could we ever doubt or question that he doesn't joyfully and delightfully provide everything that we need for life? Friends, Jesus is the greatest expression of God's goodness. And so if God is willing to give us Jesus, why would we worry about anything else? He goes on, verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Question, have you ever done a bad thing? Let me back up. Are you sitting next to a person who's ever done a bad thing? Friends, here's the good news. Jesus was convicted so you could be exonerated. He was punished so that you wouldn't be. That tells us that there's no authority on this earth who has the ability to to accuse you with success because Jesus on the cross has already paid the penalty of all of your failures, past, present, and future. Therefore, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because of the cross, friends, there is no condemnation. And because of the resurrection, there is no separation. Ephesians 1 tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to those, to all of those who trust in the risen Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have nothing that can conquer us. We are the conqueror. Friends, this is a declaration of faith in the power of God, in the promise of God. We are more, it, words have power. It's important to give attention to the words that come out of our mouth. And this is the declaration that Paul makes for us in Romans chapter 8. Because of Jesus, we are more We are more than conquerors. Because Jesus defeated death, nothing can defeat me. Verse 38, for I am sure, I am confident that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The incredible, the immeasurable, the incomparable love of God demonstrated in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection, friends, you are loved and you are able. You are loved and you are able. You have everything for life. So whenever you doubt, the love of God, remember the cross. And whenever you doubt the power of God, remember the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the door to love and power, life and freedom. In fact, three years earlier, this is exactly how Jesus began his ministry. He came on the scene and said these words, for the father has sent me to declare freedom for prisoners. So whatever prison you might face today, Friends, Jesus is the door to your freedom. The good news of Easter is that you can be free from anything that imprisons you. So what is that? I wanna suggest three this morning. Maybe one of these might resonate with you. Because of the resurrection, you are free from being fake. You don't have to be fake anymore. That's good news, right? Because we have fake everything. We're really good at being fake. We, have, we, we like to pretend and we like to you know, put on a facade. We like to hide behind an image. We have fake everything. We have fake cheese. We have fake flavors. We have fake fur, you know, faux leather. From airbrushed models to photoshopped bodybuilders and all the superficiality of social media postings, friends, our culture is addicted to posturing and pretending. Sometimes we can see through it. Sometimes you're the only one that knows this is not the real me. And while all that momentary protection may be a facade that's comforting, Eventually, we all crumble under the stress of maintaining an image 
that is not us. We crumble under the pressure of living up to an expectation. Criticized by our parents or pressured by our peers or just simply the overwhelmed self-imposed standards of perfectionism and people-pleasing, it just becomes a trap door of fear and anxiety. Friends, this, this is true about yourself. You know this about yourself. I can't truly love you if I don't know you really. And you're sitting there and you know this, you can't really be loved if you're not truly known because you're always wondering, they don't know the real me, so how could they ever possibly love the real me? Friends, you have a Jesus who knows the real you and loves and loves the real you. How do you break free from this pretending? Proverbs 29 says, the fear of human opinion disables but trusting God protects you from all that. Romans chapter eight would say it this way. If God is for you, who can be against you? Anybody here, please everybody in your life? Well, you're in good company because Jesus didn't please everybody either. In fact, that's what got him killed. But one thing that Jesus didn't do is he didn't forget who he was, that he was the son of God, that he was loved by his father, that he was pleasing in his father's sight. Friends, you, when you are in Christ, you have everything Jesus has. Romans 8 says his spirit testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if you are a child, you are an heir of God and a fellow heir with Jesus, which is to say everything that Jesus has, you have. And when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you through your sin. He looks at you through your savior and what he thinks of your savior, he thinks of you. David wrote this in Psalm 119, I will live in freedom. I will be free from pretending because I only pay attention to you. I only pay attention to what God says about me. Friends, think about this. When you are loved by the one who matters most, all other opinions don't matter. Jesus is the one who knows you best and he is the one who loves you most. And when you love him most and you are loved by the one who matters most, all other opinions lose their power in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have stuff to work on, okay? But it's amazing how unconditional love works. When you are truly known and really loved, there's something amazingly powerful that makes you want to be the person God created you to be. When Jesus, who is perfect, loves you perfectly, there's something that makes you want to be like him. When you are truly loved by the one who matters most, friends, criticism doesn't destroy you and praise doesn't distract you and comparison to others no longer appeals to you. His love propels you into honesty and transformation because his love is what sets you free. His truth will set you free. His truth about you so you can stop pretending. Secondly, you can start forgiving. Some of us need to start Forgiving, we are trapped, we are imprisoned by our bitterness and our resentment and our anger, even our depression, because we hold on to the hurts that are holding on to us. And friends, that unforgiveness will become a stronghold of self-centeredness, of self-righteousness, of self-deception and self-destruction. Let's be honest, no one deserves to be forgiven. I don't, I don't know what they did to you, but they don't deserve your forgiveness, but neither do you deserve it. Here's the bad news. 
There is nothing anyone has done to you that is worse than what you've done to your creator. The good news is there is nothing you've done to your creator that Jesus isn't willing to forgive, hasn't already forgiven on the cross, past, present, and future. Friends, God did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. The death and resurrection of Jesus empowers us to do for others what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said, forgive as I have forgiven you. So I can do this. I have the power to do this. And I know that forgiveness is the door to my freedom. The resurrection frees me to forgive. And then thirdly, the resurrection frees me from fear. What are you afraid of? Afraid of the past, the present, the future? Afraid of failure? rejection, not having enough, not being enough, afraid of death, afraid of what might come. Let's go back to the story. On that very first Easter weekend, all the the disciples were holed up behind closed doors, locked and shuttered away from the world, scared for their very lives. What they did to Jesus, they might do to them. And so they locked everything. This is what fear does, friends. It locks you out. It locks everything out. It locks out your peace and your joy and your love. Fear destroys the hope in your future. But when Jesus showed himself alive, and again, this is recorded in history, every one of those disciples stepped out of their fear. They stepped back through those doors and they proclaimed the freedom of Christ with boldness and courage. And every one of them, except one, literally gave their lives. They died for the one who died for them because of what they had seen and heard. Death could no longer hold them down or hold them back because Jesus, their Lord and Savior, conquered death for them. Therefore, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And there is no fear in love. Because of the resurrection, I know that God loves me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you and proved it with the cross. Secondly, because of the resurrection, I know God forgives me. Because because of Jesus, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing that you've done to make God love you less. Everything you deserved, God gave to Jesus and everything Jesus deserved, God gave to you. And thirdly, because of the resurrection, I know God has a plan for me, a plan for me. Now understand this, the Bible makes this clear that God planned your salvation from the foundation of the world. From the beginning of time, God knew what he would have to do to save you and nothing in time stopped him from fulfilling that plan of salvation for you throughout history. So you think about this. If God went to that kind of trouble to fulfill his plan to save you, Why wouldn't he have a plan to lead you through life? Friends, it is a plan that is good. You have Jesus, so you have everything. And it is a plan full of hope. Jesus conquered death, so we are more than conquerors. John chapter 10, again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the door. Well, there's another interesting door verse in the Bible that we find in Revelation where Jesus, again, is saying this, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. In this passage, he's not saying I am the door. He's just saying that he stands at the door. Friends, the eternity of your life and the abundance of your life 
depends on what you do with the door. You are where you are in life because of the doors that you've walked through and the doors that you've walked by. God created you with his incredible gift of life and he gave you free will. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to love him back because he created you for life and the best life is found in him. He loved you so much that he gave you the ability to choose him and to to love him back because the reality is without the ability to choose him, it really wouldn't be love. The greatest reality in your life is the love of God, but he will not push himself on you. He will not manipulate you or coerce you. He just stands at the door and knocks. I just stand at the door and I wait for you to choose. He's given you every reason to choose him. And yet you still must choose. Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sins so that you could step out of the door of your sin and failure and hopelessness into the door of his grace and freedom. Jesus rose from the dead so that the door of hell would be closed forever for you and the door of life would be forever open, but you must choose. So for those of you tired of pretending, trying to be somebody that you're not, trying to prove your worth. He loves you as you are, and he is the door to your honesty, acceptance, and transformation. For those tired of those constant knots in your stomach, because as hard as you try, you just can't even the score of the hurts in your life. Friends, Jesus is the door for you to receive forgiveness and for the power for you to give forgiveness. For those of you who are tired of fear and worry, and anxiety and stress, tired of trying to control the outcome of your life. Friends, Jesus is the door to your peace. Acknowledge that you're broken and nothing you can do will fix it. Believe in the love of the Father through the death of his son. Commit your life to the one, the only one who can set you free. That is his invitation to you. Would you stand? In just a second, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I want you to listen to the words of this prayer. And if these words are your words, if these words resonate with you, if this is the prayer that you want to pray, just whatever words you use and whatever way you, you express yourself to God, just say, me too. This is, this is my prayer. This is the prayer that I would pray if I could pray this. This is the prayer that I wanna pray. Listen to this prayer, bow your heads and pray with me. Father, Father, I'm tired of pretending. I am tired of being angry. I'm tired of bitterness and resentment. I'm tired of trying to control my life. I'm tired of living in fear. I bring all these things that imprison me and I lay them at your feet. But more than that, I put my life in your hands. I accept your forgiveness and I desire to live for you. Please come into my life and fill me with your spirit so that I might experience the joy of your salvation and the freedom found in Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to share in a time of communion this morning. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are welcome but not obligated to join us. Uh, There are elements in the back of the room. uh, And so if you didn't receive that, you can go back now as, as we prepare for this. In fact, I don't have this. Can Kelly, can you... There's communion on the table there. We, uh, we take uh, communion, we celebrate communion uh, at Grace often as uh, an expression of our worship and gratitude uh, for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus uh, on the cross. Thank you very much. 
But before we take the bread this morning, I'm going to give you, just wait for my instructions, wait for my, uh, my, my signal. I want to read these words of institution, and then I'm going to make a comment, and then we're going to share communion together. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Friends, before Jesus went to the cross, the Bible tells us that he was beaten and whipped and scourged, that his body was literally torn to pieces, ripped apart, his flesh was in shreds. Hundreds of years earlier, the prophet Isaiah predicted that the body of our Messiah would be broken. And he made this declaration that we want to make today. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am healed. Would you say that with me? By his stripes, I am healed. One more time. By his stripes, I am healed. Friends, there is no sickness greater than sin. Jesus healed that sickness with his broken body. Let's share the bread together. So as you hold the cup that represents the blood of Jesus, again, I'll read the scripture. And I'm gonna ask you to make another declaration. In verse 25, it says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Friends, we have all sinned and broken our relationship with God. We have been separated with God. And the Bible makes clear that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The essence of forgiveness is freedom. It is to be released from the penalty of our sin that we incurred against our Creator. And so we make this declaration, the blood of Jesus sets me free. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Would you say that? The blood of Jesus sets me free. One more time. The blood of Jesus sets me free. Share the cup together. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, Jesus came to free you, to free you from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day the very presence of sin. From the hopelessness of self-effort to the joy of obedience, from the guilt and shame of hidden wounds and silent fears to the peace that passes understanding, from the strongholds that hold you down and hold you back to the truth that sets you free. Friends, our only response worthy of the resurrection of Jesus is to declare, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I am ready to live my life for Him. So the band has come out. They're going to play a song. They'll, they'll ask you to stand at some point in the song. But for now, if you would just remain seated and ask the Spirit of God to speak to your spirit about the door that He's calling you to walk through. And may this moment be a, a moment of reflection and commitment to the one who died for you.